Hey, and welcome to episode 11 of the MTB Fitness Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Lloyd Hopes. Now, I actually ended up meeting Lloyd through Milo Mackin, who you'll probably remember from the podcast. Milo was number seven on this year's SAS Who Dares Wins, and he actually ended up winning it, which when I, inter- when I interviewed him on the podcast, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't ask him because obviously he couldn't tell me. Uh, but yeah, he went and won it along with two others. So... After you've listened to this episode, I definitely recommend going listening to, I'm not even sure which episode it is, but it's the one with Milo Mackin, number seven, who's the winner on SAS Who Dares Wins. So Lloyd, who I've got on today, is Milo's friend, and Milo, at the end of the podcast, recommended I get in touch with him, which I did, and here he is. So he actually was passing for work, passing near where I live, so we went for a ride together and met each other, and he's just got a fascinating story, really. In 2010, he was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. He didn't do any exercise before that but then that really shook him and got him into exercise and he started training he's now entered the trans madeira but he's done ironmans he's done a crazy cornish race which is 296 miles over nine days that's running and he's just a fascinating guy really so i introduce him properly at the beginning of the episode so i won't go into too much detail here but i think you'll really enjoy this episode For those that don't know about me and about MTB Fitness, I know that it's been all about the guests so far. I'm going to be doing some more episodes at some point in the near future, which are literally just going to be me talking to the microphone. When I get guests on, I want it to be all about the the person I'm interviewing, really, because I've got an hour with this person, normally an hour, and there's no point me interrupting them all the time and chatting and saying my views because we have them for an hour, so let's make the most of it. But what I would like to do is start doing some 30, 40-minute ones where it's just me talking to the microphone microphone talking about different issues about training mindset nutrition recovery uh, and just going into stuff there really so look out for those in future what i do recommend particularly if you don't follow everything with mtb fitness at the moment is head over to the website it's mtb.fitness on there there's if you're interested in the work that i do i sell a 12-week training program and then there's a 16-week advanced mountain bike training program for that you can train at home you can train in the gym it's entirely up to you you get both plans included there's also detailed in intervals in session interval sessions in there and daily stretches as well and then you can also check out my stupidly simple nutrition for mountain bikers which is a really simple nutrition guide which tells you the basics of everything you need to know for proper nutrition on the bike Uh, and then what i would also recommend is following all the free content that i put out from mtb fitness so if you're following for a while you know there's tons but if you're new there's so many places to go i would first of all follow mtb fitness on facebook and on instagram that's just slash MTB Fitness UK because I put out a post a day on Facebook and two or three posts a day on Instagram. I also update my Instagram story all throughout the day. Um, also join the Facebook group. So if you just search Facebook for MTB Fitness, you'll see the page and you'll also see the group as well. I would join that because there's tons of people who are following the programs, be loads of people who aren't, who are just interested in getting fitter on the bike. Definitely get involved there. I also have daily emails. So every single day, Monday to Friday, I send out a free daily email. So to sign up for that, you just want to go to mtb.fitness, click the menu and click daily email sign up. And then what I do there is every single day, I send out a free daily email, which is essentially a short article. Um, And then obviously you've got these podcasts as well. So putting out tons of content every day (laughs) on a mission. Um, So yeah, feel free to check out that Facebook, Instagram, and sign up to the daily emails, which is on the website. The website again is www.mtb.fitness 
or you can just Google MTB Fitness and it'll come up. And without further ado, I just wanted to tell you a little bit more about MTB Fitness. I'm excited to get into today's episode. So help me welcome Lloyd onto the MTB Fitness podcast. Hey podcast, today I'm chatting to Lloyd Hopes. Now I actually met Lloyd through Milo, so you probably remember Milo Mackin who came on the podcast. Uh, He recommended at the end of the podcast that I get in touch with one of his best friends, Lloyd, who's on the phone with me today. Um, Lloyd's got a really amazing story, which to be honest, I'm finding out just as much about on this podcast as you guys are going to be. In 2010, he was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. He then had three big operations to remove his his bowel. He had a colostomy bag for 18 months, and then after that had a pouch installed inside now the whole thing really motivated him to get into exercise to get fitter to get healthier to get stronger because he didn't really do too much uh, pre-2010 before he got ulcerative colitis so since then he's run an Ironman uh, he's run the Bob Brown Cornish Coastal Path Race which is a 296 mile race over nine days right down the length of the Cornish Coast and um, he also sadly lost his sister and his nephew in a car crash last July uh, and what he's done is he's used exercise and that time on his own to really help him get through that and to cope with it really uh, so in this podcast we're just going to talk obviously from that intro you can see there's loads that we're going to talk about and hopefully you'll get something from it so Lloyd thanks a lot for coming on mate yeah thanks for having me no problem we, um, we went for a ride recently didn't we when it was uh, really snowy two weeks ago yeah, yeah, it was probably better, would have been better off on skis, you know? <laughs> yeah, it will have been. We, uh, you won't have even noticed it, but when, so a couple of weeks ago, Lloyd was up my end working, so he, he cut off in Saddleworth and we went for a ride, and it was when it was really bad snow, it was about a foot deep everywhere, so I headed up onto the tops and then went for a bit of a, like you say, a bit of a ski rather than a ride, um, but there was one point, there was a really, really steep descent, Lloyd whizzed past this guy, and the guy walking, his dog looked at him like he was absolutely mental. <laughs> 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 so you're into mountain biking yourself aren't you have you been riding for a while yeah um after after doing some triathlons and stuff like that i decided to try a bit more of a fun um fun version of fitness which is the mountain biking for me and been doing it probably about three or four years and it's just really good constantly finding more stuff to push yourself on and have fun with your mates really it's just every ride's different it's good yeah definitely i think you're quite lucky as well with work aren't you because you you travel around don't you a lot and obviously you just throw your bike in the back of the van yeah yeah i can always try and like um tie in work with hitting a new spot and finding new places which is always always good yeah yeah for sure so let's talk a little bit about obviously in 2010 you were diagnosed with ulcerative colitis you didn't really do any exercise before then did you is that right no no i was kind of just working and just uh being a normal person really so how old were you then when you were diagnosed with it uh i would have been 22 i think or 22 yeah so you're 30 32 now is that right 31 now my math. 31 so yeah, like... 22 yeah, yeah it's pro- probably my math <laughs> <laughs> so what happened when you were diagnosed then were you getting any symptoms or yeah i was just finding myself um like going to the toilet more and more often and then started finding like uh blood in my poo and stuff and okay Obviously realised it wasn't a good sign, so went to the doctors uh, in February 2010, and after some tests and stuff like that, blood tests and other stuff, they'd said I had ulcerative colitis, said they could um, like keep on top of it with different steroids and different tablets and 
didn't really ever take too much tablets, constantly up in the dosage and then different strength tablets and more and more until I was on a, like infliximab, which is like a, an IV drug, which they're supposed to put in every like, I think six weeks, four to six weeks. And I was on it like every 10 days. My love. So aggressive. I'd be okay for a couple of days and start going downhill and then just be back in hospital asking for infliximab again. Gotcha. But by October, so within a sh- short short period, really by October 2010, I was admitted with like a really severely ulcerated bowel. I had to have emergency surgery to have the bowel removed because they were worried about it perforating. So um, it was an emergency surgery, just removed my whole large bowel, left me with a colostomy bag, which sounds not ideal, but after being in loads of pain and you know running to the toilet for like nearly a year, I was uh, it was a big relief. I was quite relieved to have some control over my life again so the yeah. cost bag was actually a real big savior for me to a point where i kept it for like 18 months in the end where i could have had second and third operations much sooner but i just enjoyed having control again yeah having that freedom back yeah yeah being able to do what i wanted did you get any um so i, I don't actually know anyone personally until now that's had a colostomy back so how was yeah. it having it day to day and living with it yeah, I was very secretive of it. I don't think a lot of people knew at the time that I had it. Um, yeah. Probably more people do now. But, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I could hide it quite well and not really pe- a lot of people knew. And I could, I started kind of getting out on bikes and doing little runs and everything then. But it was just real uncomfortable with the bag. So, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that do exercise with glossy bags and, you know, they're doing real well with it. But for me, it's a bit uncomfortable. Um, but... I'd got a bit of a base fitness, like doing little runs and everything, and just built up a general fitness in between operations, so I was stronger for my second and third operation. Okay. And then, like, so the second operation, they cut my small bow in half and they created a pouch. They call it a J pouch. Okay. With, with my small bow, and then I had a colostomy bag again for another, like uh, two months, and then the final operation was just basically um, they just um, made. Put, plumb me up so I was using my J pouch properly. Yeah. So my colostomy, ileostomy uh, back inside and sewed me up and I was good to go. And uh, yeah, then, then started hitting as much as I could really, riding and running and just trying to stay away from the hospital. I was, didn't want to go back in there. Cool. So do you not have to go in at all now? Can you kind of like look after it yourself or how does it work then having the pouch inside or the J bag as you call it? Yeah, the um, it's exactly the same as like going toilet normally. I just haven't got the capacity of like the large bowel, so oh, okay. I just go toilet a bit more often. But I found different diets and different ways of eating and exercise just helps helps it all really. So I haven't had any problems since my last operation, which wow. I think was two thousand and twelve. So um, yeah, I mean, my surgeon, my surgeon loves me for what I've done afterwards, and. Uh, yeah. I've and thankfully i haven't seen him for quite a few years you know so it's good <laughs> yeah it's amazing what they can do nowadays isn't it because i mean as a obviously like a fitness professional you're exposed to this but you really don't know the the depth and the breadth of everything that they can do because it's incredible that yeah yeah the stuff they're doing now is insane like in all aspects of, of health it's it's good it's really good to see it's given me like a, a complete new lease of life i don't know if i had, had to keep my bow and try and mm different de- uh, medication to try and keep it going and stop it from ulcerating i probably would have been living in a real limited life really but yeah. Now yeah, I've got no problems at all so it sounds like you started getting into exercise and training and living a healthier lifestyle because of like this is that right 
yeah definitely yeah i was just didn't want to see another hospital bed and fed up being ill and kind of started with just making myself a bit stronger and fitter for my upcoming operations that i knew i was going to have mm-hmm. and then just it was kind of at the right time in because a lot of my friends were entering bigger and bigger events so it kind of inspired me to think well you know I'll give these a go or slightly smaller versions of it and in the end just kind of decided well I don't feel like I'm that limited with what I have with the pouch so I might as well see how far I can push it and um, yeah I've been pushing it quite hard for quite a while and haven't really found a limit yet and feels good. Wow, that's brilliant so how were you finding in between operations did you find that it was hard to train obviously to exercise when you were going through the operations or was it absolutely fine training like you had nothing wrong with you yeah no like um after the first operation i was i was out for probably three months because i just lost so much weight leading up to it okay I was down to like 60 something kilos and it was just i was in a bad way but I had no strength and had a massive cut down my stomach so i had to like rebuild or wait for that to heal so i didn't get a hernia yeah. and then yeah as soon as like i started probably three months afterwards my first operation I started realizing that you know I can start doing stuff with it and um yeah then haven't really looked back and my second operation um it set me back again it was probably a bigger operation than my first one but I was healthier going into it but I was out of hospital within like five days and then my last operation um was was in July and I'd done parenteral triathlon uh, the first weekend in September that year right so my surgeon wasn't overly happy, but when I went back for my like six month checkup and he's like, How are you being? I was like, Yeah, yeah, I've done a triathlon the other day, it was real good. <laughs> so he, he was a bit like double checking I hadn't given myself a hernia or any problems and everything, but I was all good. So so yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah, the the big operations obviously set me back, but yeah, the little one at the end was good. I was good to go. And then have you just been training ever since then, ever since that third one? Yeah, just been like obviously that triathlon was was real hard. Like I was Mm. so weak and like I didn't really didn't really have a very good build or base period to train on but I just wanted to achieve something that year and then I watched my mate Lewis do Ironman Wales like a couple of weeks later I just thought wow like even watching people up to like the 17th hour I just wanted to like see if I could do it and then just built loads of training from there and just wanted to run and ride more and yeah just carried on building it and building it and then like you say eventually entered uh, Ironman Wales and just loved it you know so how long did you train for that then so you did the obviously you did the Perrinpoth triathlon first and then the Ironman was the second event you did is that right yeah so I'd done the Perrinpoth in September and then had a few months off which is pretty normal and then um, like kind of carry on doing some coast path runs some winter coast path runs and then I actually entered a um, middle distance triathlon which was in May the following year 2013 which is like the week before my son was due to be born and uh they cancelled it because the swim was too, the water was too cold, so the oh, swim no. was cancelled. So I kind of like had my son Max and uh, like sat with him for a bit and thought, well, I wonder if I can train for Ironman with, with and try and still contribute to the uh, having a kid. And then done that for a month and then booked in Ironman in June for the September. So kind of had like a few months training for a half and then a few months training for a full in September. So yeah, I mean. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't uh, going for a massive time, but I just wanted to get around and thought that would be like the pinnacle achievement, and it was a great achievement. I like it. It was a really good event. So when Max was born, were you working at the time? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so quite a lot of my, obviously I don't have kids myself now, but I've worked with hundreds of people who do and, you know, I speak to people like yourself all the time who do have children. Now, yeah. one thing I hear from a lot of my followers is that they don't have the time to train and they really struggle to get to get the time into exercise and to train and to ride and to lift weights and to do intervals and to eat right and to do everything that you're supposed to do when yeah. they have kids. Now, that's something that obviously with my one-to-one clients, I help them through and I'm always telling people on MTB Fitness that it's about managing your time. Um, there's always a little bit when it comes from me there's always in the back of people's minds yeah but it's easy for you to say because you don't have children um someone like yourself is a great example of how you've had a job and you've just had a newborn baby and you've managed to train for an iron man so how did you how did you juggle it all well I've got, to be honest i think uh, my wife amy was a bit of a saint in that department because she kind of let me off most of the night feeds and uh, i don't know really like the first that first few months is a bit of a you're a bit of a spare part as a bloke anyway I mean now if I was to try and knuckle down for a massive training session like like that and hold down a full-time job now I've got two kids it would be a lot harder but yeah I mean you just got to find a time I, I think you know the amount of time you sit watching your phone or watching tv you could yeah. be doing anything you know something like like you said on your instagram the other day I think it was like a 20 minute ride is better than no ride at all you know yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's it's making the most of the little time you have, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just make it work around kids' tea time, you know, or kids' bedtime, and just if it's if it's raining real bad, but you've got a spare half hour, an hour, you, you just got to get out, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's it. I think. If, uh, a lot of people who struggle with not having enough time in inverted commas I think yeah. want to have like a big two or three hour block of time whereas in reality like you just said then you just have a quick 30 minute gap you can do something in that time yeah. um, and that can get you that can get you fit like you, if you go and blast 30 minutes worth of intervals you're going to be knackered at the end of it you don't have to go and do a four hour ride no exactly exactly I mean you you can always do more no matter how much you're doing you probably always do more yeah um, definitely for sure yeah, I agree. I think it's all, I totally agree with you. Everyone can always do more exercise. And I think it just has to be balanced with what else you want in life. Um, so even like with me now, like I've got quite a lot of one-to-one clients I still work with. I'm growing MTB Fitness on the side. And then I train as well as that. So I could be a hell of a lot fitter if I went riding for two hours a day. But then that would mean sacrificing work time. Um, so I think for me, it's like, right, I've got X amount of hours a week to train. And then really making the most of those hours that you've got and that you're prepared to commit to so for people listening to this you've got half an hour every lunchtime just absolutely nail yourself in that half an hour and make the most of it yeah definitely I can't yeah I can't agree more yeah definitely how did you I'm sure there were some nights where you were up like even though you didn't have to do the night feed I'm sure there were some nights where you were struggling with sleep and you were tired did you still train on those days or did you take a day off when you were exhausted what did you do around that yeah I mean I kind of just set myself a little structured routine for like a in a, in a week and it would be getting the pool early always get that swim in early because then you've banked something and then you set yourself up for the day and then it would always be you know coming from work maybe if Max was because he was only little he was uh, like napping for a couple of hours if I could get a, something in while he was napping or while you know set hopefully help aim in one way or another and then uh make sure I was okay to shoot out and do something yeah yeah, yeah I, I don't think I trained hard as hard as I should have and I probably was slacking in times because of family and stuff like that but it was a good balance it's just finding the balance really and then setting your goals to suit that balance you know you're not going to go out and win yeah you're not going to go out I wasn't going to go out and win anything for Ironman yeah. so 
it's kind of like, well, I just want to get around. So I need to bank enough training to get around and enjoy it. Yeah. So it's just having that realistic approach to it, really. I totally agree with you. And I think that's a big difference between it's not that's not about making excuses. That's not saying, oh, I'm not going to win it. I couldn't win it. That's saying I literally do not have the amount. I can't dedicate the amount of time that it takes to win Ironman. But yeah. I reckon that I can get enough time in to finish it and enjoy it. Uh, and I think that's the key. People need to understand how much time they're prepared to dedicate to it and then make the goals kind of suit that. And if there's a big disparity, if they really do want to win Ironman, but they only have four hours a week to train, then you've yeah. either got to lower your goals or you've got to find the extra time to train train i think that's exactly the same for mountain biking if you want to be able to ride 100 miles that's a different goal to being able to ride 20 miles with your mates on a saturday and you need to make the time that you put into it fit those goals yeah i mean the distance is the same for everyone whether you whether you win it or whether you just make the 17 hour cutoff or you know whatever cutoff it is so it's still a massive achievement for everyone so yeah i mean it's just goals around what what you can achieve yeah, definitely, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. I think you've just said it yourself, 17 hours is a hell of a long time to be out exercising for. Yeah, it's probably harder for those guys in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So were there any tough moments when you, I'm sure there were plenty, were there any um, like tough mental moments or physical moments when you were doing the Ironman? Um, yeah, I mean, on the run, it was it, the atmosphere was really good, but on the ride, you get a bit lonely at times and um, you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're on your own a lot of the time. Like you're not allowed to be close to anyone because of drafting and stuff like that. And uh, oh, okay. so there was a bit of dark moments. But I kind of like just I fueled really well, paced really well, and it was just a constant. I mean, I mean, it was a bit. It was hard. Don't get me wrong. But like I kind of think that was like the best race race strategy I've ever employed because it was like just to get around, enjoy it. I had my cutoffs. I had the times I wanted to get to know that I had pushed myself. Yeah, but likewise. So I didn't really go to like some dark, dark places, which I have been to on like some other events. But it was, um, yeah, it was tough at times. But then the run is around the around the town of Tenby, and it's beautiful. You know, you got loads of support, and it's great. So yeah, I mean, it was it was hard, but we got through. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So before I ask you about those dark places and the other events, um, <laughs> you mentioned before about did you say Mrs. Called Amy? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you said before you've got like she's really understanding about your training. So was that a conversation that you really actively had where you're like, right, I want to speak to Amy. I want to do this event. Or did it kind of just come up over time? Like, how did you approach that? Because I'm sure men and women who are listening who have partners like it's I think communication is really important, isn't it? So how did you kind of cross that? Yeah, I mean, because I was training for a half before that and it worked out a week before Max was due to be born. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, well. I'll get this out of my system and then we can focus on on Max when he comes. But then because that event got cancelled, like we spent a few weeks like just getting used to getting into a routine and stuff like that with Max, a newborn, first kid, so it's like all new. And then I, I had the itch to sign up for Ironman. So we did talk and it was kind of had to prove that it wouldn't take away too much from the family time. Yeah. So I, I like buried myself for a couple of weeks, just making sure I could train to what level I thought I'd need to, to get around and then proving like, even if I was putting on a brave face at times, like proving I could uh, still do the family thing and help out and not just be a tired zombie walking around. No use to her. Yeah. Still doing family days and still, you know, but she's just really good at setting up. You know, if we went to go for a family day somewhere, she'd always, she'd like 
you know, you just suggest, oh, maybe I could ride there. I'll get up early and I'll ride there and you meet us there and then we'll have her down the beach or, you know, we'll do loads of stuff. And she's done that so many times. So it was a conscious conversation to like set up, but I had to prove that I wasn't going to like let the family side suffer too much. Yeah, and I think that's great because then, you know, and you don't want the family side to suffer either because I know that'll be massively important. Your relationship with Max and Amy is obviously hugely important to you as well. And yeah. um, so it's not just about like keeping her happy if you like is it it's about you being happy as well and having all of that time yeah like missing out on on kids growing up's never really been yeah. something i've been interested in whether it's for work or working away and stuff like that I kind of always yeah. want a good family balance yeah i totally agree i think most people listening to this will will agree with you I think one thing that's jumped out at me from what you've just said there is it's about really making the most of every opportunity. So when most people would say, oh, I can't ride on Sunday because we're going having a family day, you're asking yourself, right, how can I ride on Sunday? And it's, well, why don't I just ride there and then I can shove the bike on the car and then come back? And then really it's only, it's not really affecting anybody negatively too much, is it? It's just an extra hour that they're not with you, say? Yeah, no, if I get up at, say, 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. and get on the bike, I can do three hours, and then yeah. it's only 9 a.m. You can still have a full day somewhere or meet meet Ames and, and uh, Max and Lily now and on the beach somewhere. It's just it's just working it around you. Yeah. Do you have any other tips like that that you do? So, obviously, getting up at 5 or 6 a.m. and then getting it in early before the family's awake and then riding the bike there and meeting them and then bringing it back. Do you have any other like little uh, tips? Not the right word, but little things like that that you do. No, I mean, that's, I just employ that one quite a lot. Like whether it's, we go somewhere and we do a family day first or, you know, I, I try and get to a place and meet them there or, you know, it's just like little things like that, just making it work around you rather than, rather than you just saying, Oh, I've got to be somewhere at 10 o'clock or you yeah. can ride for two hours to get there and then do whatever you've got to do at 10 o'clock, you know? So yeah, n- no, no others than that really. I just, that's, that's one I like. I, I kind of use that one quite a bit when i'm training for stuff yeah yeah i think it's a really good idea and it's something that i've actually never considered before it's a really really good idea yeah so after the ironman then how long was it before you decided to enter the bob brown cornish coastal path race oh just just before that i'd done um ames actually got me for my birthday oh. um uh, three marathons in three days which was like the atlantic oh, sorry yeah. um so yeah i'd done that because I, I was always more into running and coast path running. I just love the coast path. We live, I live right on the coast path here in Plymouth, and nice. it's just something I've always wanted to do. And the Atlantic coast is so rugged and like beautiful. It's just it's yeah. a really good thing to do. So we we've done that, and Ames and Max come down. We use it a little like weekend break, you know, like they, we stayed in a in like a in the campsite where all the um, runners were, and yeah. Max and Ames met me at all the beaches and stuff, and during the days, and she bought me that so I've done that and then kind of like that ticked off a little bit of the coast path and then started looking at more and more things about doing the whole coast path there's quite a lot of people that have uh, ran like the whole southwest coast path but I knew with the time I had it wasn't going to be like possible to really fit it in the training and the actual event to do the whole 630 mile coast path yeah I just come across this website for um Bob Brown he's like a ultra like athlete legend really um done loads of races loads of ironmans multiple ironmans and big big um, endurance ultra runs and stuff like that and he was setting up a race to go uh, to do the whole cornish coast section so it's from 
uh, Marsland Mouth, which is on the Devon Cornwall border up by Bude, all the way down to uh, Land's End, Land's End to the Lizard, then Lizard up to Cremel, which is right next to Plymouth. Wow. It's, yeah, 296 odd miles in nine days. And it's <laughs> so growing that. Yeah, we started on a Saturday morning, finished on a Sunday, so I had five days holiday, and yeah, it was just insane. It was like the best nine days ever, really, like just because the weather was perfect. Got to see every beach on every part of the coast path, and views were insane, and it's a really good, like there's only three of us that actually got the event done, but we were like real strong and real close at the end, so it was really good. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Uh, just a uh, quick math on my computer. I didn't do it in my head. 32.88 miles a day. <laughs> some yeah. going. Yeah, so we got, uh, I've got some figures if you want to hear it. The, yeah, the go for mileage. it. Um, so day one was 31 miles, which was brutal awakening because it was so so hilly up at by, um, up by Bude. Really hilly. And then um, you got 27 miles on day two, 28 miles on day three, 24 on day four, 29 on day five. Uh, 38 on day six and then 37 okay. on day seven and then 43 on day eight and then 32 on day nine nice yeah yeah <laughs> day eight 43 miles hurt a lot i bet it did <laughs> yeah. but then day nine was like a bob always said the whole way through it's just a victory lap you run it's only an eight day race because if you get to day nine and you've done it so and it was because because you've done 43 miles a day before 32 miles felt felt good you know yeah yeah of course because you've done much more you're obviously doing a bit less aren't you yeah yeah so how were you how were your legs and your energy levels and i imagine it was tough yes like day one i am stupidly like i've never suffered with blisters like i always had quite good feet but day one stupidly i put loads of um loads of anti-chafing cream on my feet okay which made them really damp and moist and then they just blistered to hell So then day two and three, I was just like taping the hell out of my feet, trying to stop them from blistering anymore and uh, just kind of struggled through those days. They were they were hard on the feet and then the yeah. legs were just blown up from the first day in lactate, you know, and yeah. and then come day five and six started getting a bit of a better pace. Like day seven um, was running, you know, quite, quite consistently from early on. We'd always start with like a walk. So because it was such long days, we'd always start with like um, breakfast in our hand walking on the path. It was kind of dark when we were waking up, getting up early and dark on the path. You're not going to run because you might trip over something you can't see. So it was like yeah. just getting the mileage in. And then as the sun come up, start running. And uh, yeah, day eight, just ran until I just wanted to get as much mileage on the feet as possible until I hit a wall. And that obviously happened like around 35 miles and then was uh trying to get through the last eight miles in a bit of a bad way but had stopped in a shop and got a ton of sweets and sugar which is like the <laughs> first time i'd loaded up on any sugar and stuff like that all race and uh then went flying off into foy on the sugar <laughs> high <laughs> but yeah come come day nine i was running really well my um my brother and my two cousins actually met me uh like six miles into the day so they had a they met me at pole Perry, which would have been a marathon from them okay and uh, they met me there and kind of like was running the whole day and pushed on and pushed on. It was, but yeah, I mean, Bob said all along, like the second half of the race, you'll start running better. But it's just holding on in the early days when you're in a world of pain and your body hasn't adjusted to it. Yeah. So how do you do that then? What what was going through your mind to keep you holding on in the early days? Were there any times you wanted to quit? Like what what's going on in your head? 
Well, the uh, the main thing I had in my head was like um, I'm, I'm I'm on the coast path for twelve hours. That's that's what I set myself. If I'm above twelve hours, then I'll then I'll allow myself to have like a stroppy moment and uh, like get shouted with myself and say, oh, like feel sorry for yourself almost. But yeah, it only I only got that on the day eight, which is the forty three mile day. Um, so yeah, I mean, kind of like always. I was running. There was a guy I was running with, um, Simon, and we just talked quite a lot. And the main thing that got me through it, which was really handy and it's nice to use, is I'd done like um, videos every time. Like I started to feel a bit crap, I'd slow down, start eating, and then um, do a little video. Okay. To like document the journey of each nine days. Yeah. Can you see and those anywhere? Uh, they're on my Facebook. Yeah. Uh, ah, cool might be a share but yeah like they'd start off a bit like not really a lot of videos because we were just head down running and then as it gets on like having more and more fun with it as well so like just you see random signposts in Cornwall and just having a bit of fun and yeah you know just trying to keep morale up and like you're not gonna look all disappointed and depressed on a video so you just put a smile on here we are six miles in and (laughs) loving life my feet aren't hurting at all (laughs) yeah yeah no like you just say like yeah yeah legs are legs are moving and uh yeah we're we're cracking on we've got another 20 odd miles to go today blah blah and it now just edited them at the end of the day and i could put them up onto facebook and then all my friends and family could see how we were getting on and that did help massively like just um having those moments where you just took time back to think all right well you know what are the comments going to be when when you finish the day yeah you know, i was raising money for crohn's and colitis uk it kind of like kept everyone aware that of the mileage because you can tell people well i'm running the whole cornish coast path but people aren't really don't really take much notice of it you know sometimes so if you're there day in day out with a little video kind of keeps the memory fresh and they donate more and make it look make it look beautiful and and tough at the same time and keep donations coming absolutely and you donated a lot of money in the end didn't you you uh raised a lot of money in the end sorry yeah yeah raised like over three thousand pound um it's amazing yeah yeah really good um a lot of donations come in as the event was going because like you, you know say you you'd announce that you're going to do this event and people are like yeah yeah okay and then uh it's only until you get to like day eight and stuff that, that everyone like kind of like backs you but no yeah of like, really happy to have raised that much money to go into research back for Crohn's and colitis yeah, which is amazing. And I think you're exactly right there. When people see the videos day in, day out, day in, day out, it's kind of like, flipping heck, he is actually actually doing it and he's out there. Yeah, still grinding away for up to 12 hours on the coast path. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any moments where you felt like quitting? Yeah, so like day four had, um, well, day three, the night, we stopped in Perrinporth. And it's a pub I know really well, like the Sainers pub. We stayed there for the night and I had quite a few, um, quite a few red wines that night. So I was a bit hungover and like the day after yeah. and then I picked up like a bit of a stomach bug and I just felt sick like all day. And it was like the only day that it started raining a little bit and it was just a headwind. It was like the, one of the flattest days in uh, the first flat day, really, into hail. And then you finish with like a three mile long beach finish. Ooh. And it's just like never ending. I just felt sick and like Simon like dropped me for a bit and I was just on my own. But you know, I hadn't really relied on any music or any podcasts or any, you know, audio books and up until then. So chucked the speakers on, just kept moving and just um, got through it. But that was a big, big moment, really. And then 
the next day we got to sent uh, from sent or hail to um, Land's End. Yeah. As soon as you round Land Land's End, you you start you know, heading for home. Yeah, and, I'm with you. So like we, you know, like Plymouth was my home. So like where I finished was like probably three miles from from my house. So okay. Every day I was getting closer and closer, and then you know it was as we got to the weekend as well. Amy come down on the Friday with Max to meet me. Oh, nice. Um, so that was a surprise. Like she surprised me on some random ferry. Um, oh, that's what nice. Yeah, yeah. Like I got off a ferry at Helford Passage, and then um, Ames, my mum, and Max were on the beach waiting for me. So. Yeah, they they surprised me there, and then it was just you know lots of family came then because it was within reach, and yeah, that that really pushed me on. But yeah, there was definitely a dark day on uh, day four when I was feeling sick and hungover and sorry for myself. <laughs> what what kept me going? Did you just well yeah, what kept me going? Just yeah, just like had the pressure of the of the fundraising. You know, yeah. it was a massive pressure. Like it's a good pressure for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, done a few videos, had some music, listened to some comedy um, audio books, just trying to reach into quite a few places to try and get any bit of light. But I mean, anytime I feel sorry for myself doing the events, you know, it's just like you, you put yourself here. You don't you don't feel sorry for yourself. It's um, it's for a good cause. And where would you rather be here or laying in a hospital bed? You know, like, yeah, like where I was back then. So like back 2010. So kind of like doesn't last long but that one lasted quite a few hours but got through that so i think there's two kind of actionable things that people can take from what you've just said there i think the first one is getting perspective on your situation so if you are feeling down in the dumps or tired or you don't want to ride or you don't want to do this i think you're right like getting perspective and thinking back to like a dark time in your life so yeah you're right like you were laying in a hospital bed and you would have like nothing else and to be able to get out and run then i imagine yeah I'm sure everybody listening to this has got something similar. Like it could have just been, uh, I know when they were ill or yeah, everyone will have something that's kind of like jumped into the mind about a time. And I think you can get perspective on it and that helps, doesn't it? If you think back to a time where you, you would have loved to have ridden or ran or done anything that motivates you. And I think the other thing you just said as well is you applied pressure to yourself, like on purpose and you're right. That is a huge motivator. Like I think if you want, let's, Say the difference between if you just want to get fit to be able to ride more, say you want to be able to be fitter to ride, you want to be a bit faster on the bike, or if you enter a race which is on a set day and you have to do the distance, you have to enter the race, you have to finish it. It's a massive difference between the two because one's just kind of, there's no date on it, it's just, yeah, I want to get a bit fitter. The other one is, yeah, right, I need to rock up on this day and I need to do this race. Uh, and especially if you're, if you're raising money for charity or applying a bit more social pressure to yourself, then that, that makes it even bigger. Yeah, yeah, and it's just um, yeah, just knowing people were like rooting for me and keeping going, and and but even like um, even if they're not in a race or anything, if people are climbing a hill like and they're fed up and they're hot and they're just tired, you know, it's just like well, you're gonna be at the top of the hill in a minute, and then when you're sat on the sofa later, you're like, oh, cool, I'm glad I glad I got up that because if not, I would have been a bit annoyed, really. Yeah. So you can apply it to loads of things, really. Just, just like you know it's only temporary really like the feeling sorry for yourself and it's, yeah. it's, if you put yourself in those positions then you're going to come out better for it the other side 
Yeah, definitely. You uh, There's a quote by Lance Armstrong. It's something along the lines of, pain is temporary. It may last a minute or a day or a month or a year, but eventually it will subside. If I quit, however, it lasts forever. And that's yeah. exactly what you just said then. Like, when you're going up that hill, it hurts, but you'll feel like a sucker if you stop. Yeah, yeah, and it'll just haunt you for a while. I mean, by all means, if you're, if you're not fit enough to go up a hill, like, push. Don't be afraid yeah. to push, and then... Uh, come back and get it next time you know it's like it's just you know like say having pressure on yourself is good but then you know you just know where the limit is really don't push yourself too much it's all for fun really at the end of the day it's good yeah i agree i think everyone can always push that little bit harder and yeah when you when you when you think about something you just need to get something in the head that motivates you one thing i've been using at the moment for me which is kind of only relevant to me but other people will have their own versions of it is when i'm on a climb and the other day you start to get that little voice into your head that's like oh stop pushing so fast stop going so hard like slow down a little bit like stop and have a rest and i imagined that a load of my followers were stood on the side of the path watching me. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I tell people every day that they cannot stop on a hill. Like, what would I do if they were watching now? Like, I cannot stop. <laughs> yeah, I guess you've got like a big target on your back for, for that. That's exactly how it feels, yeah. <laughs> but it's you've got, good. You've got to set the example. Yeah, yeah, exactly that though. You're exactly right. So I was like, well, I literally cannot stop now or else I'm just a fraud. Like I need to do it. But everyone has something similar that they can apply. It might be that the, like with you with Max, for example, you might want to inspire your children or your, um, you know, there'd be, there's always some kind of mental trick you can play on yourself to almost shame yourself into carrying on. So with you, it was, I'm doing this for charity, so I need to do it. But you can, you can shame yourself into carrying on, can't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, however long whatever you're going through is it's only temporary it's not gonna last forever so just keep just keep pedaling or keep moving and eventually it'll you'll be there it's all good then yeah yeah i totally agree mate i totally agree so last july obviously you told me about the car crash with you where you lost your sister and your nephew you used exercise and time on your own to to cope with that whole situation so i'm sure there's people listening to this who've lost close ones to them who will will benefit from your kind of experience and your your knowledge of how you coped with it so would you mind talking a bit more about that yeah i mean like i've i've lost lost people before this but this was like kind of you know a shock straight away uh in a in a heartbeat you lose two like real close family members so my first instinct really was just trying to like track my brother down and try and find out what he's doing and, and like help him and then like help other family members really like I kind of always tried to play that role of helping people in these situations I'm quite good at parking my um my emotions and then I can come back to them later and I definitely come back to them when I'm mid-run or mid-ride like you just sort so much stuff out in your own head when you're you know just on your own just plodding on somewhere you know like running for me it's just a rhythm you know you just get into a rhythm and you just explore lots of places in your head and it may, helps me reset quite a lot and then it like it's kind of like you know there's things about emptying a bucket you fill a bucket up of like emotions and everything like that if you don't if you don't empty that then you just overflow and that comes out in like shouting at people you don't want to shout at and then so if you can empty that bucket and keep it keep on top of it then definitely like you're just gonna be better for it and running and riding and just getting out in the outdoors and doing stuff is just um helps massively definitely 
I've never heard that analogy before, but I think that's a fantastic way of looking at about like like filling that buff- bucket and emptying it. I've without hearing that analogy that you've just said, I use a similar one with my clients where I talk about stress being a bit like um a boiling pan, you know, water with boiling water and you've got a yeah. uh, lid on the top of it and that fire just keeps burning and burning and burning. The pan keeps getting hotter and eventually you can either tip the heat down or you can pour some water out, but if you just let it keep going, then the top's just going to blow off it. Yeah, definitely. Exactly that. Exactly the same. It's, yeah. You've got to address what's going on at some point. Um, by all means, like I park it and can help people and stuff like that, but then shoot off for an hour coast path run or just get out on the moors or something like that and just um, really helps me and I can come back to it later. So when you're out running, do you find that you're actively thinking about it or do emotions just, just come up to you as you run? Yeah, um, a bit of both, really. I mean, you know, like you just you you think so many times in a minute, like thousands of times in a minute, you have so many thoughts going on. Yeah, but um, say so pop up quite a lot. But yeah, I do try and that was a good tactic, really, just to try and like think heavily about certain parts of what's gone on and what's happening and what's coming up, you know, and stuff like that went after the car crash. So because then you can like think about it and run it through your head it's almost like you know you're visualizing what's going to happen so you can be better prepared for it what do you mean by that so like you know if you you know you got like after deaths and stuff like that you got funerals and you got tough times like that so it's just picturing things okay. like you know like yeah i want to be there to support my brother i want to be there to support my family and you know like try and help in this way try and help in that way and just think our ways to help like kind of like just sets your mindset to be thinking more positively rather than like i mean yeah, i don't want to say like a victim of it because uh, everyone's a victim of everything but it's like you kind of like can go two ways you can either let it define you or like you can like learn from it and try and do something positive with it which is helping people in my opinion yeah i think that's huge i think I totally agree with you. I think what you've also said there is that you, you're not burying your emotions. You're just putting them to the side and then coming back to them when you go for a run or go for a ride. So you yeah. can be the person you want to be that supports your family and your friends and everyone else around you. But then you're also helping yourself deal with it by going for your runs, going for your ride and emptying that bucket, getting your emotions out. Yeah, you've got you to let time for yourself. But and there's a time and a place for emotions and you know sometimes you got to put other people's emotions first which is what mm. i found big time there must have been some times where you just felt down in the dumps where you just did not want to go for a run or go for a ride you just wanted to sit on the sofa yeah yeah i did and then it would take like you know missing two or three things and then you know you just catch yourself like snapping at you know the kids or aims and then you just think right oh, this is like this is obviously because you know I've let too much things build up. It's not their fault. Yeah. So, but sometimes it took one time catching yourself and then sometimes it took 10 times. It was just, uh, as long as you always try to, a bit more on top of it now, because obviously back then, just not long after it happened, it was a lot going on. So it was a lot to try and process at the time. Of course. But, um, but yeah, now, like now it's just keeping this steady, constant time to empty the bucket. Do you find that that's because you've obviously, like you say, you've lost, uh, you, were, you were friends with Milo's brother, weren't you, who died in Afghanistan, is that right? Yeah, yeah, so even even back then, you know, it was like, um, yeah, I spoke to um, Milo's mum not long after it happened, and she was like, oh, can you, 
can you tell people like like the friends and stuff like that so like i kind of took on a role there as i was trying to like tell people and then you know talk to people and help them and it started with that really kind of like put my feelings to one side but back then i didn't really have the you know the empty in the bucket side of it so Mm. kind of buried buried that quite deep which was not ideal but since then like my nan died and just try to help the family as much as I can, like go pick people up to make sure that they could see, see her before she died in hospital and try and ferry people around and drive people around to get them to and from hospital. So I try and help. And, you know, like it gives me, it gives me something to focus on in those yeah. times. Well. A purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Like just everyone's like, Oh, you're so strong. Blah, blah. It's like, yeah, yeah. But you just like compartmentalizing your feelings to one side for a minute to then focus on others who yeah. maybe not haven't got those tools you know yeah yeah definitely i think that's an amazing way to look at it and i know that people listening to this will definitely relate and um, i know i massively use riding particularly riding like at, in the gym i do because I, I lift weights every week but i ride my bike every week as well i find that training in the gym is a massive stress reliever however yeah. it doesn't free your mind as much as going for a ride and being up on the moors does no, I mean, you, you can you can see in the gym people on a, a lot of pain and putting themselves through a lot of pain to get their goals, but you hardly ever see someone not smiling on a mountain bike. Yeah, yeah, that's so true, very true. Yeah, I think when you're up in the moors, it just it just does give you that quiet time to calm your mind and to to empty the bucket, like you say. I think that's a really really great way of looking at it. Yeah. So you in December you decided to enter the Trans Madeira, didn't you? And then you got on it, and you're going to be doing that in June. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we saw the videos from last year, and you got like Rat Boy and stuff like that saying it's the best like few days on a bike he's ever had. It's like that's a bit, <laughs> bit of a bold statement from those guys. So. <laughs> yeah, never but, mind yeah. him. Yeah, so they um, they limit the entries to 120 people and kind of set up. My mate in New Zealand, he wanted to do it, so he was going to be coming back for the summer anyway. So we we're both sat on our laptops, like half a world apart, at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning or 10 o'clock at night for him. And um, yeah, both got an entry, um, which was real good. So just looking at booking flights and stuff now and getting all the bikes. Well, I've been riding a hardtail for two years, so um, kind of had to buy a full sus frame because if not, I don't think I'd survive the week of pounding through the tracks, yeah. long sense and stuff, you know. So yeah, yeah really looking forward to that. It's in June. So. so what kind of training are you doing for that at the moment? Just riding as much as I can, but um, I've... Uh, trying to do is like loads of stretching because I've been riding loads I think I've neglected like the stretching my uh, hamstrings are real tight I actually um tore my quad on a stag do uh back in November <laughs> I got um went to this like haunted house thing with like Corbin and all that lot and they were using uh cattle prod tasers <laughs> and I got tasered in the in the quad and it's a uh, grade two tear in there um, Jesus, it sounds like an extreme haunted house. Oh, it was horrendous. Like we were quite a few beers in. It was in Krakow. Right. Quite a few beers in and running around like madmen trying not to get tasered. And <laughs> this physio guy I went to see afterwards said, like, because your hamstring is so tight, like everything around it's real tight. So I reckon this like electrical spasm when I had all my weight on one leg is like tore the quad, you know? So I had like a big hole in my quad, like a big ring come up, and then you could feel there was nothing in the middle. I lost. So um, yeah, I had like six weeks off for that. So that kind of opened my eyes to how stiff I am, and I need to stretch more. But um, yeah, trying to do as much as I can riding wise now as well. Just 
get out as much as I can, but I don't think Lot's going to really get me in shape for like 10 minute plus descents. I'm trying to find <laughs> some long rocky Yeah, we don't descents. have those around. Uh, even no. in Cornwall, I bet you don't have those. <laughs> no, no, like one minute something, you know? So yeah, yeah, just trying to ride as much as I can and like say stretch out and try and just be in half decent shape because I want to enjoy it. It's going to be tough, like um, big climbing days and like, um, you know, it's just gonna it's gonna be tough but it's gonna be real rewarding so like apparently the trails are insane out there and just like all each corner of the islands like a different place in the world apparently so cannot wait there's a video isn't there i think it's called the four corners have you seen that no oh you need to you need to search for that as well good i uh i can't remember who it's by focus bikes i think i'll tell you what i've got my computer open now i'm pretty sure that it's focus bikes four corners i'm just googling it now because it's a sick video i uh for yeah there you go it's on youtube four corners uh it's just loading up now it's uh i think it's ollie wilkins from memory and i can't remember how i came across of it probably facebook yeah i've got it here so it's called four corners uh for it's by focus bikes and it's yeah the riders ollie wilkins that's a wicked uh wicked video it's basically it rides the four corners of madeira it's six minutes long and so that will be ideal for you (laughs) yeah yeah because even the teaser video from on the trans madeira website it looks nuts you know yeah 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 on the beach every night you got beers and barbecue on the beach and just uh, it's going to be like a real good like five days of solid riding and just hanging with like minor people really yeah it'd be amazing that mate um yeah yeah, definitely search that that video out i think you'll like that as well i think i always recommend to my uh followers and people who listen to the podcast that they watch videos before they ride because i just think it really helps get you in the mood and i think that one is going to be ideal (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't wait yeah i'll have a look at that definitely so the last thing I'd like to talk about, you mentioned before when it came to dealing with your ulcerative, it's a tough word to say that, ulcerative colitis, yeah. um, you you started looking at your nutrition, didn't you, after and getting your nutrition better. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, I, I like, you know, going through triathlons and stuff like that, you follow the triathlon specific ones, which is like gels and, you know, Ironman Wales had like 28 gels in a day. So just to try and keep me going and just crash massively afterwards. And I yeah. found any event I'd done, I tried to survive on gels. Like even if it was short bursts, I just crashed real bad. Mm-hmm. So didn't go well with sugar. Like this is after my operations. And then um, started looking more and more like for the Coast Path race, for instance, because I was on a, a low heart rate, you know, oxygen and fat burning. So like it's like, well, if I've got oxygen and fat burn, I don't really need a lot of carbs. I kind of like went to like a keto diet, which is like high fat high protein diet and yep. it really worked for me i found that really helped with my stomach as well like if i eat like a lot of rich like vegetables or like um high fibrous vegetables stuff like that just go to the toilet a lot and it doesn't really agree with me okay um, whereas like if i eat you know a decent steak and a little bit of greens and some eggs and stuff like that like that really really agrees with me like i don't have to go to the toilet as much i just feel like i've got good energy and yeah i i for me that really works everyone's different like that's what i've learned yeah like over the last year or so is you see some people on some extreme diets like why is no one like like the diet i'm on is the best but then you just realize that everyone's on a different diet and everyone's on everyone's bodies are different yeah i totally agree 
There's um, I um, I released. I'll, I'll carry on in a second, but I totally agree. And I was thinking with it as you were saying then about you found what works for you. Uh, I released a nutrition guide January first, and the recurring theme through the whole book that I really keep pushing is that everyone's different. So I give yeah. like a basis of start here. This is going to be good for most people, but then experiment and find what's works best for you. And like you found that you work best off a high fat, high protein diet, and that works best for your digestion and for your energy levels. For me, I find that I do work well having high protein high fat but i need the carbs in there as well so you know your medium and your slow release carbs and i find that that gives me the most energy and both of us could do the trans madeira together eat completely different food and have the same amount of energy on it because we both know what works best for our bodies and i think that's the key for people listening yeah and like like finding out what works best for your body is is quite simple you know you can just throw a month or two months at a specific strict diet and see how you feel you know like just 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 go on to a diet and say right i'm gonna give it two to three months and then if it doesn't work i've, I've not lost anything you know and i can try something else and you'll find something that works for you definitely yeah it's just all about exactly that finding what works best for you yeah i mean like for that coast path race obviously carbs weren't really massively needed for the runs because it was such low heart rate long endurance but yeah if for like higher tempo stuff and everything like that you yeah, do have to feed in some carbs but just sugars i just cannot handle at all yeah they just like play havoc read you just crash afterwards do you yeah i always crash really really bad i mean i've done like a um a relay race um quite a few years ago now and it's like a my, my section was like seven miles it's like a 44 mile um coast path run in four sections i've done it with milo and a couple of other friends and um you know i've done the last section and i just gelled up and absolutely like annihilated myself like pushed myself to the limit and then finished and like all the other guys were like hey, let's go get some food blah blah and i was just like a zombie for like yeah. hours afterwards just completely dead like i had nothing and it's a seven mile run you know it's like just crashed massively on on sugars and stuff and that was kind of like a point where i just thought well maybe i should look at other things you know yeah of course so what do you tend to fuel yourself on your what uh, excuse me what do you tend to fuel your rides with nowadays then so if you get like when we went riding the other day we went out for like a 10 15 mile ride what do you tend to eat before during and after those um i don't know really, I like, during. yeah I, I eat i eat quite a lot of meat and eggs and stuff like that and i don't really feel like i get very hungry i, I, I always used to feel like i got hungry quick when i was on like a high carb and uh, concentrate but now like i feel like i've got good energy stores so um i eat some nuts and you know maybe a sandwich here and there if, if like if if i'm not out for a real long one but not really i don't really eat too much while i'm out just drink water and stuff and then when i get back i do try and eat you know a bit of veg or then a bit of fruit or you know just something to try and replenish what's come out yeah i don't on. tend to eat too much like that coast path run you know i was just i done leading up to it i was doing some big runs on like a handful of macadamia nuts and not feeling hungry it was just like you was in fat burning mode when you're running and then you're just eating fat and it just you're struggling to eat it was constantly forcing yourself to eat it's quite strange you know but it worked yeah and if it works that's what matters yeah exactly i mean that worked for that but obviously for trans madeira i'm gonna be probably in a higher heart rate zone on the descents and the climbs so yeah i need to try and start tweaking that a bit more but yeah i mean i, I don't know i just kind of eat like normal like decent food rather than anything processed if i can help it you know 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's good advice for everyone as well, not just people with digestive problems, because the less processed food you can eat, the easier your body's going to digest it and process it and use it as energy, and the less havoc it's going to play with your digestive system. So I think that's good advice for everybody. Yeah, definitely. So on that note, two things. First of all, is there anywhere that you would like to send people if they'd like to follow you on Facebook or Instagram or follow your journey and your prep for the Transmadeira? Yeah, I'm on I'm on Instagram. There's quite a lot of videos of uh, my little boy riding. He, nice. He's, he's quite a little shredder now, which is good. I've built him like a little steel hardtail with um, forks and everything. And you literally, we were talking about this on the ride, I forgot about it. You literally built it, didn't you? You didn't like, when you say built it, you don't mean you added the forks to your frame. You mean you literally built it. <laughs> yeah, and no, it started off with a 20-inch um, like fat bike, a caliber fat bike. And then my mate of mine, Dan Wade, who's like a real good welder fabricator and he's into his bikes as well. He um he cut it and shut it and done it to all the angles that we wanted that kind of like was the top kid's bike at the time. And I bought the forks from America and I had the little XT, I had some spare Shimano XT cranks. I had them shortened by an engineering shop. Um, and then my mate built a set of wheels, uh, put a some hydraulic brakes on it and then... Um, I just upgraded, or last year I upgraded mine to 11 speed, so I put my um, Shimano Z 10 speed on it, so it's like a fully kitted out bike now, it's like, it's quite cool, so it should last in quite a few years now, but yeah, he's just into BMXing, so that's, that's what mainly what my Instagram is at the minute, but I'm sure it'll start getting more Madeira based as, as we get closer. Yeah, I'm sure people are going to want to see that bike, so uh, definitely head over <laughs> yeah. to Lloyd's uh, Instagram. What's the handle? So it's Instagram.com slash? Uh, HopeC87. H-O-P-E-S-Y-A-7. There you go. And I will also link that up in the description for the podcast. So whatever app you're using, just click the description. The description, that's anyone. Click the description <laughs> uh, and then that'll link to Lloyd's Instagram. Uh, so last thing, I always ask guests, guests to end on some kind of something, really. You can you can tell the guests anything that you want to tell them at the end. What what would you like to leave the podcast on? Um, yeah, Put it on the spot I, now. Yeah, I mean... I always like when you said about Lance Armstrong earlier, it reminded me like not necessarily, but, but like, I always think like fun is fast. So like if you're having fun, you're riding fast and you're getting fitter. But Lance Armstrong, like said, it's not about the bike. Obviously for him, it might've been a bit more about whatever <laughs> um, cocktail he was on at the time. But if you eat better and train, then, you know, it doesn't matter what bike you got, how new it is, how heavy it is. It's just going to get you out riding. My bike now is not light. It's a steel full sus. It's not new, but you know, just it does the same as as most other bikes. You know, so like, just everyone get out there and have some fun with it. Really, love it. That's a great, great way to end the podcast. Well, thanks so much for taking the lawyer, the the, the lawyer. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat to me, Lloyd. And yeah, uh, I'm me. excited for it to go live. Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much. Cheers, buddy. Take it easy. Cheers. Hey podcast and welcome back. I hope you really enjoyed that last hour with Lloyd. I told you he's a fascinating guy. I think it was really interesting speaking to him and seeing how rather than starting from someone who was already into fitness, he had obviously the ulcerative colitis which really shocked him into getting in, getting fit, getting healthy, getting into exercise and starting training more and I think he had some fantastic tips as well for those dealing with 
with losing loved ones. I know, as you know, I've lost my granddad and that affected me at the time and obviously it still does. Um, I think it's just great having those tips from him. So I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to follow him on Instagram. I will put the link in the description so you can just click that. And like I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, to check out more about MTB Fitness, head over to the website. It's mtb.fitness or just Google MTB Fitness. And I would also come and follow on Facebook and on Instagram. So just search MTB Fitness. You'll find me on both of those. I put out loads of free content every day. Join the daily emails, which are available on the website. It's mtb.fitness. Then just go into the menu and click daily email sign up. Um, And also join the Facebook group. So that's basically the MTB Fitness community where everybody who follows the podcast, who follows my programs or are just interested in improving their fitness on the bike, they all chat in there. So all of those links are in the description on the podcast because I know there's loads, but I put out loads of free content every day. I really recommend you make the most of it. And then when you've read it, just head over to the website and you can sign up to my 12-week training program. It's only £30. It's a bargain, really. You can sign up to my 12-week training program and you can also check out the nutrition guide as well. Both of those are available on the website. So thanks so much. I really, really, really appreciate you listening to it. I hope you really enjoyed the episode and I'm going to see you next week for the next episode. So thanks so much. Have a great time.